and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know what is interesting is when you start to have conservatives say things like, I don't know, Franco wasn't so bad. It kind of, it, for me, it just kind of takes the air out of the room a smidge. Uh, and and you think to yourself, something is definitely changing here. Uh, maybe we should address that. So, Franco, we will in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about Antoinette. When she found out she was pregnant, Antoinette realized that she was in deep trouble. She had no idea how she was going to raise a child on her own. So she did what people do now, and that is you, she started looking for an abortion clinic. By the grace of God, however, she found a preborn clinic instead, where she met her baby first on ultrasound. When she saw that face and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying. The nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. Antoinette chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she's a gift from God. There are millions more to be saved, and Preborn does this work every day. Each of these babies is truly miraculous, and every day Preborn celebrates 200 miracles, and $28 can be the change and the difference between life and death of a child. When a mom meets her babies on an ultrasound that you paid for for 28 bucks, here's the heartbeat. It's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. So let's join and help moms choose life. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck, sponsored by Preborn. So for some unknown reason, uh, when I said, hey, let's do a debate on the good things and the bad things about Franco, Stu immediately said, uh, <laughs> no. I want to do the pro Franco stuff because he's you're I didn't realize this. Stu. you're a big fan of Franco. No, I just saw fraudulent information and I would like that to be known that Glenn is lying as usual. Well, that's not what America is hearing right now, but we'll we'll go with that little lie of yours. Uh, so. Um, we we looked in and and I wanted to get somebody to debate the other side like Stu because uh you know he's pretty thorough he's a fact based guy and so I thought let's get him because the facts are I think you'd verify this the facts are overwhelming in Franco's favor I would not verify that actually and, and would feel the opposite uh frankly really um yes okay. and I maybe we should start though with why? Why would we be debating the positives and negatives of, of Franco? What would be mm-hmm. the purpose of that, and why would that occur in 2024? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, week, less, a week before the Iowa caucuses, why are we talking about Fra- Franco, of all people? Well, Francisco Franco, you might remember him. Uh, he was uh, uh, the head of the Spanish state. Uh, he was uh, what you might call a dictator, and... A lot of people now, it seems, in America are starting to say, you know, we should have somebody like Franco that just comes in and, you know, stops all this nonsense. And I'm thinking to myself, no, no, we shouldn't have somebody like Franco. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of the people that are debating this and who are cozying up to the idea of an American Franco uh, are conservatives. And I 
don't, you either don't know who Franco is or I wouldn't classify you as a conservative. Uh, but maybe that's me. Maybe that's just me. And I, of so, course, feel the opposite and feel that he was yeah. great <laughs> and did a great job right. in his that's you know, so convincing, 36 You're, years of yeah. being a dictator. I think that's yeah. an appropriate amount of time. So you're doing a great job so far. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so here is the thing. Now, the the um, some of the stuff we gathered, uh, polling, for instance, show that you know he's he's not so bad to many of the people in Spain and in Italy. You know, neither was Mussolini. You know, as long as you went along with him. Uh, some of this stuff uh, comes from the Madrid Center for Sociological Research, a government research center, showed that the majority of the Spanish public now acknowledge that Franco did both good and bad things. Now, I'm going to ask for a definition of the word bad uh, because I'm not sure. I mean, the term bad does that include extermination camps, Stu, or not, do you think? I, uh, I typically am, am of the opinion that they are universally bad extermination camps. Never a good well, idea. Okay, but mm-hmm. I mean, is that maybe, I don't know, uh, significantly understating the, the badness of extermination camps or genocide or crimes against humanity? I consider them suboptimal. Suboptimal. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. We'll see. We got the right guy for, you know, the debate (laughs) Mm -hmm. Franco side. Okay. So would you like to start or should I start? You go ahead, Glenn. I go ahead. You've got that really tough task to make Franco look bad. So I'm going to give you all the the lead up you need. Okay. So now both sides uh, of the debate, both good and bad Franco, they will, uh, they will admit that he committed massive atrocities during the Spanish civil war. Uh, his nationalist raped Republican women and shaved their heads. Uh, they rounded up half a million people and put them in 60 concentration camps. Large, large portion of these uh, prisoners uh, did forced labor or made to fight in Franco's army. Uh, and then, you know, he executed another 100,000 people during the war. So right off there, I think, I don't think I'm on the Franco train. Really? Yeah. The train yeah. is an interesting uh, it, well, I thought use so. there. I th- yeah. Uh, yeah, well, but I, I, as you, again, I will attempt my best here, but Franco did, at least when you're thinking of the Spanish people, or at least half of them, um, specifically, he did keep them out of World War II uh, by kind of remaining neutral. Right. Now, uh, some might note that you didn't get invaded and you were less likely to be invaded by Hitler when you did things that Hitler didn't mind all that much. Um, which is not, you know, necessarily a positive. But mm, I'm mm. telling you, it's a positive that hey, he remained neutral in World War II and didn't get invaded. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. all right, okay. You know, but he was busy there for a while in his own civil war, and uh, the public affairs officer for Franco's forces told an American reporter, "Quote: You know what's wrong with Spain? Modern plumbing." In healthier times, spiritually healthier, you understand, the plague and pestilence, they could be counted on to thin the Spanish masses. <laughs> now, with modern sewage disposal, they, they, people just multiply too fast. And the masses are no better than animals, you understand. You can't expect them not to become infected with the virus of Bolshevism. 
after all, rats and lice carry the plague. So he had a really good understanding of a servant to the people. You know, sure. Well, I, yeah. I, you could say that. However, we've all become so indoorsy these days. I mean, like, you know, when it's 32 degrees, we don't even go out to outhouses anymore. Uh, the outdoor plumbing was a better approach. Uh, was it? Uh, yes, much better. Yes. And I think okay. we should go back right. to that. Um, so get rid of modernity like toilets. Yeah, uh, modernity. Uh-huh. That's an interesting yes. word. I, I feel it like we use that. Uh, with some Russian figures uh, yes, over the past we, few years that they are saying have. get rid of modernity and, as well. And some Christian nationalists, too. <clears throat> so, Well, hmm. I mean, what, what you're not talking about, of course, is the fact that foreign investment was encouraged and tourism was promoted. And by 1962, per capita income for the nation's 33 million people reached $300 per year. Holy cow. Holy cow. So, I mean, now, I noticed you didn't point that out when you, because I mean, imagine how high it would have went if we could still go to outhouses. It probably yeah. could have doubled that number. Well, let me, let me just, I hate to throw a, a monkey wrench into the deal, but I, I wasn't really concentrating on the tourism um, okay. because after, after the war, uh, Franco was responsible for the torture, murderer, and uh, and covert burial of a, an additional one hundred fourteen thousand Spanish citizens. Um, he just he just targeted people, uh, Republican loyalists, atheists, Jews, intellectuals, liberals, academics, Protestants. I mean, but you can see the Protestants. I mean, whew, you know, hmm. um, anarchists, Freemasons, socialists, uh, Catalan and Basque nationalists, communists homosexuals and trade unionists. Uh, so, and they just, they opened up mass graves all around Spain and uh, relatives, you know, couldn't mark the grave or anything else. They just dumped them in and just covered them with dirt. So well, I say what you want, but we wouldn't have this Basque nationalist problem if it wasn't for all this indoor plumbing. And, <laughs> and I think Franco nailed that by the way. Right. But right. you did mention an interesting word there. Communist. What? You see, he was an anti-communist. He was an anti-socialist. He opposed Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we oppose today, which somehow is supposed to be a a reason enough to love the guy. And that's why I'm making this positive argument for Franco. (laughs) (laughs) But he did oppose communists. It's true. He did oppose socialists. Of course, I don't want to uh, point out some of the other figures in Europe at the time who also hit that standard and maybe are not thought of so positively. Wow, it sounds like you're not convinced he's a good guy. What? No, I just told you he's against communists. Let me see if I can flip Stu on this one. Uh, You know, the children from Republican families uh, were taken and they weren't killed. Um, They were just abducted, renamed, and given to supporters of the Franco regime. Uh, An estimated 300,000 babies were also stolen from hospitals and undesirable parents, uh, and then they were sold to approved families. So, Have you heard any of the dumb names parents are naming kids these days? They should be captured and renamed. That's the only way we could save our society today. Yes, Uh, and Franco uh. is one of the few people who knew that. And I'll tell you this, Glenn. um, (laughs) He did promote strong Spanish national identity and culture. And this seems to be... Honestly, but he was what people kidnapping babies seems to be 
Yeah, sure. Um, and, and, and opposing indoor plumbing. But it seems to be what people do like, just like me, who's arguing the pro-Franco side, is that he did have a bit of a, he had a nationalist streak, which has some uh, equivalent here in the modern movement on the right. And also he did um, promote, he did love Spanish culture and he did not like people uh, undercutting that. And so right. he, he used the centralized he power babies. of the state that he held right. for 36 years Right. He used that power to enforce some things that maybe you might like. And but, if if he did wait. that, shouldn't we just embrace it? But wait, um beyond having martial law for uh 10 years, um while he was of course busy talking about how great Spain was, he was also dumping bodies in a massive grave. Uh he was uh, stealing babies and taking children killing their parents and then taking the children and adopting them into pro Franco family. So I think that makes me as a nationalist, it would make me love Spain maybe a little less. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's uh, if you had a good, uh, a good name, then maybe you'd change your opinion. Once the government assigned you your new name, um, which was much, much better than your old uh, name. Um, I will say though, um, you know, Glenn, once he aged, see, here's the mm -hmm. thing, you know, yeah. people look at this and say, look, did Franco do some bad things? Sure, some people will say that. But they will also note that it was a trying time, a difficult period after the war, and he and, and the country was collapsing. He needed to mm -hmm. act in that way. And once he oh, aged, sure. he was he did really, you know, release and relax some of those rules uh, police uh, you know beating people over the head for no apparent reason um, declined by like I don't know 13 percent or something and um, he uh, did allow some free market reforms now some would point out well, hey maybe you just put the free market reforms in because they're good and you don't just wait uh, you know for 30 years yeah, uh, yeah. A, a, of a dictatorship before you do some of those things but hey later on in life you know he he aged and he calmed a little bit and isn't that wonderful well, still didn't uh, allow any freedom of the press, but also uh, he, I mean, employment, you, if you were unemployed, you could get a job if you were a Franco supporter, um, but people were required to get a, uh, a certificate of good behavior from local officials uh, so you could get a job, which kind of sounds like what we don't want to happen here. Uh, well, I mean, some would say that there's certain people out there who would make claims. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm know. just going to I think while you're you're making very good points, I think I'm just going to leave it at this. Only Cambodia known for the killing fields. <laughs> only Cambodia has more gr mass graves and anonymous victims than Franco's Spain. So well, anonymous victims because they rejected their new names. <laughs> right. Thank you. Just don't get this movement. I really don't. All right, let me tell you about Rough Greens. You fed your dog today yet? How do you like it? You don't know. Can't answer that question. You don't know if he liked it or not. Okay? They don't talk. How much nutritional good do you think your food is doing him? Well, if it's kibble food, uh, the unfortunate answer is probably not all that much. Just like your body, your dog's body needs um, uh, 
things that will make him healthier and happier, things like probiotics, all of the vitamins and minerals that are cooked out of kibble food. That's why I want to talk to you about Rough Greens. Rough Greens is a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black that you sprinkle on your dog's food. Brown food is dead food. Remember that. You want the green stuff. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love it, they have a special deal for you. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, roughgreens.com slash Beck, or call 833-GLEN33. They'll give you a first trial bag for free. Just pay for shipping. 833-GLEN33, 833-GLENN33, roughgreens.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. Yes, yes. Well, Stu, I, I mean, I thought you made a lot of good points on Franco because uh, there's a lot of them out there, as you well know. Well, I, uh, you know, I'm a passionate supporter, apparently, of, of Franco. So, yeah, yeah. I, I know that you I, almost you almost slipped there and said Hitler. No, I well, no, I didn't. But I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, there's too many similarities uh, there to yeah. be ignored. I, I don't yeah. Yeah, look. I, we had we had a lot right, I think, in this country. You know, and I feel like we're at the point where we want to throw a lot of the things that we did correctly out the window because we perceive this as a period of things not going our way. That's not a good, like, there's a no, reason I, why we've been a country that's been this powerful for a long time. And those principles are the ones that got us here. And it just feels like if we were to go back and embrace them a little bit, maybe we wouldn't need to have a 40 year dictatorship. I don't know. Those can be fun. Um, the. Uh, for the dictators, usually. Um, the, uh, the What's happening to us right now, and the reason why, Franco, people are starting to say, you know, we, we need maybe a nationalist and a religious uh, dictator. No, we don't. You know, we need one as much as Iran needs one. Um, you, oh, wait a minute, they already have one. Oh, I'm sorry. So some other country other than Iran. Um, we don't need that. We shouldn't want that. That's a very grave danger to anyone and everyone because that's a dictatorship that just can eliminate those who they deem problems. I don't want that on the left. I don't want that on the right. I don't want it here, there, or anywhere, Sam, I am. Uh, the, the reason why this is happening is because things are becoming uncontrollable. The, the government has gone so far awry that people believe that only an unconstitutional dictator can save the country. And that's not true. All you have to do is return to the constitution. If you return to the constitution, all of it comes back. Now you can't give everybody the freedom that they think they have now. Like I have the right to go in and, and uh, loot stores. No, no, that won't stop until you start enforcing the local laws and the laws of the constitution. Once you do that, we fix ourselves. People are overthinking all of this stuff. I mean, you're going to need a very, very unpopular president or a president during a war. That's why everybody wants a war so much that is able to do things under a war powers act, which is terrifying to me. Um, I would much rather have a president come in and just say, I'm a one-term president, but I am going to put everything on the table. 
and I'm going to get rid of this huge administrative state. It's gone. I don't want it. It's not constitutional. Um, once you get past some of those things, it's amazing how you fix your town, you fix your state, you fix your country. I, I don't understand why, especially conservatives, are talking about Francisco Franco. He was an evil dictator that didn't do some bad. He committed atrocities, and every dictator commits atrocities because they force people into compliance. That is not America. Glenn Beck. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I feel for you at the, the end of the month, 15th of month, you are struggling to make ends meet. You are trying to get your finances in order. Uh, you're worried about what's going to happen in the future if the economy goes down the tubes. I get it. It's a really scary time right now for a lot of people. And trying to play catch up with the debts, especially if they're on credit cards. Oh, my gosh. Staying ahead of that is really difficult. Give yourself a breath. Okay? Just breathe for a second. If you're in a situation to where you might lose your house, you might lose everything, please call American Financing today. The great news is market... Uh, the market for homeowners interest rates have dropped and are now back in the fives, which is a lot lower than they were last year. You've been buried in high interest credit card debt. Now's the time to break free. Please. They can give you maybe up to two months of uh, savings by delaying two months of mortgage payments. And the average person is saving $854 a month. Call them now. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. Oh, it is, uh, it's a head-to-head match. I mean, it is going to come in by a nose, I I predict this this race uh, for the uh, GOP nomination uh, is just thrilling, exciting and nail biting all the way to the end. We uh, have our first contest to see when they all step into the ring, which one is going to come out as a victor. And uh, my uh, my man for color here, which is really kind of racist, uh, is uh, Steve Bergier, uh, otherwise known as Stu. And. And Stu, what are you what are you looking at at this uh, big match out uh, on the uh, on the mat in Iowa? It is amazing. We're seven days away, one week from Iowa, and it doesn't no feel that way, does it? No, no. I mean, I think there's the sort of belief that we are in a primary that doesn't really exist, right? Like that Trump is running away with it, and you know, in right. a few weeks. We it will is, know that it's as exciting as the uh, Biden. Uh, primary yeah, that has nothing to do with the voters. The same thing with the Trump thing. I mean, you got to go out and vote, uh, but it seems like it's just going to happen. And then the nail biter is, is he going to end up in prison? Right. I, I think that's where people see the real contest taking shape. But I think that's partially why it does matter what happens in these early states, because the second place primary is important when you have one 
of the two major parties trying to throw the other guy in prison. Right, like that yeah. Well, we haven't we haven't really had that kind of El Salvadorian kind of feel to our presidential elections, but <laughs> that's true. We haven't. Yeah, it's, but it's, we haven't really done much of that. Um, so no. I started a kind of a new morning update uh, podcast called State of the Race, which is on the Studas America feed. If you go there and wherever you okay. get your podcast, and we're going to go through all of this every day because I think you know in a few weeks we might find out that Trump runs away with this and. There's nothing mm-hmm. to worry about about him going to prison or being thrown off ballots and that stuff all clears yeah, itself yeah, sure, out. We sure, don't have to sure. worry about this, which would be great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't have to worry about democracy crumbling in front of your eyes, that would be a positive. It'll be surprising. It would be. Uh, but it would be great. Yeah. yeah. And, do you, and you have a situation where, look, DeSantis is, do you think it's a, would you say it's a must win, Iowa, for DeSantis? Or do you think... He can show a strong second and and you know stay stay together enough to keep the race going. I don't know. I I mean I I, I mean I would say yeah because he's he, he it doesn't look like he's going to win in New Hampshire, does it? No, he's he's in currently in fourth in the polling in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's probably not going to win in South Carolina. So yeah i would say he's got to win one of them yeah now if he wins iowa right that's where you depend on the bump uh, to change some of these secondary states but if you know if and we just really it's interesting because we all complain about the polls everybody you know the polls are annoying and they don't always tell us the truth and we know the we know that situation however in a world where we have a lack of polling which is this one we have nothing really right now from these states that's updated we have this the situation with uh, the real clear politics average which is what people throw out all the time and real clear politics does a good job averaging polls is a good idea rather than taking one individual poll that's all true however the most recent result from iowa in the real clear politics average is december 18th that's when it ended so you have a, a poll that's over three weeks old as Iowa gets close, we don't know. Like, is it possible that DeSantis has made a move? Is it possible Haley's made a move? Is it possible Haley now is in second place in Iowa and DeSantis is in third? You know, it's hard to know. We don't have anything updated at this point. So in this world where we don't know uh, even the basics, it seems like, it would be, uh, it's 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 one of those situations you have to watch these other indicators. You're seeing Nikki Haley's upping the spending all over these early states, she's got the cash, Glenn. I mean, she really is funneling. Of course, she's taking it from Democrats. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. I mean, it really is happening where she's taking a ton of money and dumping it into these races, now really leading the spending in a place like Iowa, which has not been the case for most of the campaign. And DeSantis, like, again, we, you know, we've talked about DeSantis a lot. We really, really like Ron DeSantis. I think he'd be a really good president if he were to win. I do too. Um, that being said, you know, it's he, this is his time. He needs to make the move. And three weeks in Iowa is a lifetime, right? I mean, it's a lot of time to see where this movement is happening. And we haven't seen any updated polling. I assume we're going to get one more Des Moines Register poll here before the election actually happens. And that's kind of the big pollster in the state. We will see if we get that. But... Right now, it's been shocking. I mean, we keep getting these national polls. Hey, here's where the, the race stands nationally, which means nothing. Nothing. Right? These, things, nothing. They, these aren't even elections that happen on the same day. The, the caucuses and primaries happen weeks apart from each other. A national poll the, gives you nothing but a general sense. Give me the polls that you have from Iowa, New Hampshire, and uh, South Carolina. In, anything you have, and then tell me the date they were last taken. Okay, yeah. I mean, you go to... the. 
the the polling has been less interesting in Iowa, where it, the race has seemed pretty stagnant for a while. Again, these are going back a few weeks here, but if you look at the um, the uh, the polls for uh, Iowa, you have a situation where you're about 51% to Donald Trump on uh, average. Uh, Ron DeSantis is about 19%. Nikki Haley is about 16%. And after that, you have, you know, Ramaswamy about six. You have Christie about three. Asa Hutchinson, who's still in the race. And people don't seem to be <laughs> interested in his candidacy. Right, um, but right. he's interested well, in it. Yeah, that's kind of and the, that's what counts. That's really what counts Good for you, Asa. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he is uh, he is uh, he's at zero. <laughs> he's legit, <laughs> legitimately at zero. Now, those, right. again, are the averages of the race. If you look at where those polls have been taking place, a couple of them were mid-December. Some of them are early December, you know, more than a month old. And while it would be an unprecedented thing for uh, Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley to be able to unseat Trump in Iowa in this short of a window. We have seen yeah. massive um, surprises before. I mean, you know, Howard Dean was up by you know twenty and thirty points. Rick Santorum was way way back in this race. You know, Ted Cruz even going into the polling going into election or caucus day in Iowa still showed that Cruz was yeah. not going to win in two thousand sixteen, and then he wound Correct. up winning. Um, you know, Barack so, Obama, Barack Obama, uh, Hillary Clinton and John Edwards were all really tight in the Iowa caucuses leading up to that day. So there are surprises and they happen pretty frequently in Iowa late in elections. This is just a different situation, right? You have a president uh, running who's an incumbent, basically a guy who is you know, running as the standard bearer for the party and has been for eight years. This is different than a Howard Dean who was kind of coming out of nowhere, right? So that it, this, that needs to be acknowledged. This the only way that Iowa becomes a surprise on the GOP is if people were saying they were going to vote for Donald Trump because they didn't want any backlash from the right. Mm -hmm. But they actually go in behind closed doors and they vote for somebody else. How I don't see that happening, but that's the only that's the only thing I could imagine. If you were to say, how does Ron DeSantis have a success in Iowa, where you would say, okay, let's just say he wins or loses by two points, right? A very, very close race that comes down to the to the wire. That, I think, would be seen as a real overperform for where our expectations Correct. for DeSantis, and Correct. that might propel him forward. How close does he need to be? If he's down now by, on the average of, you know, 30 some odd points... If he's in single digits, is that enough to make a big statement for DeSantis and maybe propel the campaign forward? Or does he need to get closer than that? Well, if he's the big winner of the night and he's, you know, eight points behind, that is huge. That would change the dynamics, I think. Be better if he were closer or actually won. If he actually wins, that will be a big thing. That would be huge, right? That that huge. would change the I think yeah. the the direction Everything. of the campaign. Yeah, and I agree. you know, and, and New Hampshire is interesting as well. Haley is closer in New Hampshire than DeSantis is in uh, in uh, Iowa, Iowa, if you believe the polls. And again, they're not really updated. Uh, one other interesting thing is one pollster has shown very close results between Haley 
and Trump in New Hampshire. Now, this isn't shown everywhere. Uh, you know, most of the other polls are not nearly as positive where you see, you know, l- at best low double digit leads for Trump. If you're if you're Haley and you're, at, you know, like one poll showed um, the uh, a 14 point lead for uh, Trump over Haley, 44 to 30, which is closer than it's been for a while. However, American Research Group, which isn't a isn't a, a terrible pollster or a great pollster, somewhere in the middle, has shown two polls in a row with Trump up only by four in New Hampshire um, over Nikki Haley. The most recent one is December 27th through January 3rd. So uh, the most recent poll we have in any early state, and that shows Trump at 37, Haley at 33, Christie at 10, DeSantis 5, Ramaswamy 4, Hutchinson actually showing up at 1%. Congratulations to Ace on that one. So so what is uh, Haley would have to win there? Where is um, DeSantis again? Only at 5%. So even <sighs> even a win in Iowa, it, no. it's difficult to see how DeSantis could make a big impact in a state like New Hampshire. Now, maybe. Why is he performing so poorly? In New Hampshire. I don't know. I mean, he's look, New Hampshire's a moderate state, maybe isn't as in love with the conservative credentials of Ron DeSantis. That's not entirely uh, surprising, I suppose. However, uh, you know, you, you feel like if if New Hampshire's taking the Haley route as the non-Trump option, where Christie is still in the race as well, doing, you know, OK, I guess, double digits in this poll. You wonder if if Iowa is going to be very competitive, does that translate into support for DeSantis in South Carolina? I mean, he I think he's basically skipping completely New Hampshire in his mind. His path to victory doesn't matter what what happens to him in South in, in New Hampshire. He's going to go right to South Carolina and hope oh, a bump yeah. from Iowa translates there. We have more a more conservative voting base, but a pretty pro Trump voting base base mm-hmm. and a voting base who has Nikki Haley as their former governor. So it's a very complicated path forward for DeSantis, even with a good showing in Iowa. Not impossible, but really a, a tough hurdle. To well, clear. with a great track record, which DeSantis has, uh, and a great conservative message, which he has, uh, he hasn't been able to convince the American people yet that he's better than Trump. Why is he better than Trump? Uh, that's what he had to do on the road, and I'm not sure that he has ever uh, hit that to America's, or at least conservatives, satisfaction. All right, uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are looking for a house, whether it's across the country or across the street, the people the people that should sell your house are the people that live in the area, know the area, have been doing it for years and years and years. And know what the best practices are. Know how to negotiate. Know how to walk into a house and go, "Eh, this is really not the the one for you. No, but it looks great. Yeah, Yeah, you know, that kind of. And has to be somebody who is, it can listen and relate to you. If you're a person that has, you get greatly offended by master bedroom, none of the real estate agents are going to probably call it a master bedroom uh, because you can't now, according to, I don't know, the gods of the real estate industry. But they're not going to freak out if you say master bedroom. They're like, I'm taking around these bigots to look at houses. And they called it a master bedroom. Shut up. Shut up. 
You want to sell your house for the most amount of money, least amount of time, and get into your new house with the least amount of money? Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there. Let us know where you're moving to and from, and we'll help find the right real estate agent for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Triple eight seven twenty seven B E C K is the phone number. It's the Glenn Beck program. You know we've been talking about where this goes in the last weeks as we get to the Republican fight for the nomination and a big Democratic battle between Joe Biden, Marianne Williamson, and Dean Phillips. Who knows which way that will go? Could go any direction. I think. Are you at the same place I am where it just feels like anything could happen? Like I feel like. We could go anywhere from Donald Trump winning the election uh, easily to Donald Trump is in prison from Joe Biden uh, somehow winning the election to Joe Biden not even being the candidate and someone else like we discussed earlier, maybe Kamala Harris or uh, Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or who knows who could be the candidate. I feel like it's changing on a day to day basis. This is why we kind of started this new podcast uh, state of the race it's on the stew does america feed if you uh, wherever you get your podcast you can get it every morning you know with a like 10 minute or so update on just the things that are happening that you need to know about that the media is not going to tell you and trying to give you some perspective on that because you constantly get this information from the mainstream media and you know it's not true but why is it untrue what is really going on behind the scenes what are these candidates thinking you know, within their internal walls as far as um, where this campaign is going. And of course, telling us, you know, where we're going to go in the future with this stuff. So this is going to happen on the Studios America feed. It's called State of the Race. The first episode's up there today if you want to go check that out. We also have some stuff coming up on the YouTube channel, Studios America YouTube channel. Today's a little bit of a a new commercial from Chris Christie that I think I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, so that's going to be actually posted here in just minutes at youtube.com slash stew does America. Something you, uh, I think will want to share with people who maybe aren't huge fans of Chris Christie. I guess that's enough. Uh, we could say there. coming in the, in the, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, this has been one of the strangest times I think I can ever remember. We've been color covering elections, Glenn and I together since going back to the 2000 George W. Bush, Al Gore election, you know, we're old and we go way back to those days. Uh, just doing the show together and watching this all develop. This is the strangest one we've ever covered because, you know, I think half the people are just uninterested in it because they feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Some people are passionately interested and it's turning them completely insane. We're going to try to go in between those two uh, here over the next couple of weeks and just give you what actually matters. So check it out on the Studios America feed and right here on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn's back tomorrow, and we will have more for you on not only the election, but everything else happening in the world, which at this point seems to be completely upside down. We'll see you tomorrow. The Glenn Beck Program.